Welcome, you're listening to The Sacristy, a podcast where we seek to learn, discuss, and exalt in the faith delivered once for all to the saints, as it has been passed down in the Anglican tradition. I'm Father Matthew Ainsley, the Vicar of All Souls Episcopal Church, a church plant in Horizon West, Florida, and I'm joined by my perspiring co-host... Father David Bumstead, the rector of Emmanuel Episcopal Church in the Audubon Park neighborhood of Orlando, Florida. We're real priests with real jobs and real churches, and service times are in our bio. We'd love for you to join us for worship if you're ever in town. Yo. Hey. How's it going? Well, I'm sweaty. You're sweaty? Why are you sweaty? Your influence on me, Father Matt. Your oh, influence. man. They say you're the average of your five closest friends. Oh, that sounds weird and bad, but maybe good. I think I'm better for it. Mostly. <laughs> yeah, mostly. <laughs> good. There's the good and the bad. Yeah, well, uh, there's the good part, which uh, happens because you inspired me to be more active in running or exercising because, as our listeners are aware, you ran the Dopey Challenge not too long ago, so... You took me out to uh, one of our neighborhood parks and had me running around today. So that it was, was good, good, man. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it a lot. R- running can be good. It was good. Especially in our line of work. Yeah. Burn off a little stress, stay healthy. Talk about garbage. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> how bad we feel. Talk about how good we feel. Yeah, it was really there you good. Go. Um, but then, of course, there's the other problem, Father Matt. Yeah. The less good influence. Which is? Listeners will remember some months ago where we talked about Father Matt's unironic, complete affection for the food that is served at Taco Bell. Yes. And last night, after an ordination, I was found ordering said food from Taco Bell. But you got that, uh, what was that taco you, I told you to get? It was like, it's one of those specials. It's a special taco. It's what it is, is I'll tell you what the situation is. I don't remember what it's called, but it's like a, it's like a taco. And then they crunch up smaller taco shells and they put that in the taco. And there's some beans in the taco too. But then there's another taco shell. It's like a, like a soft taco shell and they put some cheese. It's like a double decker. It's a double decker. But it's got some special stuff in it. Yeah. It's got at least... At least a nickel worth of. But the texture's stuff. on point. On with point. The right amount of crunch. Oh yeah. No, I'm I'm happy I went. I'm not mad. Yeah. And I got a crunch wrap. Yeah. Which was okay. My wife, uh, my wife shared it with me, and um, she said, you know, it needs hot sauce, so we we put sauce on there. I mean, the crunch wrap, um, it's kind of like the Tex-Mex equivalent of like I don't know. I can't think of anything. It, it, what I'm saying is that if you haven't been to the finest culinary institutions, you probably shouldn't <laughs> attempt to make one. It's You can mess it up. You've got to get the ingredients at the right ratios. They've got to be pr- proportionate it's to one another. Perfect balance. you got to get all the right um, mouthfeel, which is one of my least favorite culinary terms, by the way. Um, you got to get all those balances out right. or got to get those balanced out right. It's... Uh, it's a it's a precarious position when you're put into the 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 pilot seat of a crunch wrap. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, is when you called me to tell me that you were yeah. going to Taco Bell, I had just gotten out of a vestry meeting, which if you're not Episcopalian, that's like your church board, yeah, so to speak. It's called a vestry. 
I just got out of that. And I was on my way to Taco Bell as well. So we were both headed for the border, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and to the bathroom. But uh, no, I made it through. That does help you sleep because after I ate all that food, I'm like, man, I feel terrible and tired. Yeah. And I went right yeah, to bed. Yeah, yeah. And Becca, Becca, my wife, was not unimpressed. She... She did see. Uh, she happened to be looking at uh, at like you know our transaction uh, history as uh, as I was leaving there, and she texted me, uh, "Taco Bell, really?" As I was walking into the door, and the face, the look on her face was priceless. And then she realized that I was actually talking to Father Matt about our trip to Taco Bell. So this is what friendship looks like, folks. But yeah, but yes, it does. Uh, important question. Yeah. What kind of sauce? Did yeah. You get? Okay. So there's a, there, that's a there's good question. There's mild. There's hot. There's fire. There's Diablo. Yeah. Um, what kind of sauce and how much? Yeah. Let me tell no, you what I do. Yeah, I know I sure. ask you a question that I'm continuing to talk. It's yeah. Like, it's self-centered. Like, it's, it's like fine. being on a. Um, no, it's like cable, <laughs> cable news channel where they have guests on and then they just scream at them and don't let them yeah, talk. Yeah. Right. Um, or a or a worse podcast than ours. Because I asked for mild and fire, even though they were out of mild last night, but I forgave that. So I got fire and Diablo. And then I emphasize whatever you think is a lot, double that amount and please put it in the bag. Because I like to drown my stuff wow. in sauce. Wow. Okay. So, so I like a lot. Yeah. Don't give me two packets. It's going to be a bad yeah. day. I'm going to turn around and go inside and all that. Well, I'm, 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 I'm sort of concerned about the nature of my, um, my gut bacteria if I, mm. if I imbibe too deeply of the Taco Bell sauce. And so I actually said no sauce. Mm. Yeah, I kind of thought you'd say that's why I left that out of the story. There's no, you didn't, you ate all of those yeah. items with no well, sauce. So here's what I did. I liked the the Doritos Locos. Uh, Taco Bell, not a sponsor, by the way. So <laughs> if you hear this, somebody who works at Taco Bell, send us money. And um, so I had the Doritos Loco, which was delicious, uh, cheesy, Dorito-y. And that's a permanent install on the menu apparently it's very popular yeah um and then they had the 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 double decker deal and that uh that didn't need sauce it had all the cheese on it the crunch wrap needed sauce and so what we did is we had a bottle of cholula sauce in the in the in the kitchen which was better okay so and diablo sauce i don't i don't know man that's well okay that's another, diabolical. another question for you okay we are heavy we're good we're, we're not even 10 minutes in we're okay, fine good only half the people have switched to another podcast at this point <laughs> Downtown Orlando, because you're clued into what's going on downtown more than I am. I know they're building a Taco Bell cantina. Yes. Is that a full service restaurant? Because my dream is for a server, like menu, my 20th anniversary with Casey, my wife. Yeah. We're going to Taco Bell and they're going to wine and dine us. As far as I understand, (laughs) and I I would love if if a listener uh, heard this and corrected our corrected my view of the cantina taco bell concept you know if they hear this and see a post on instagram about this episode correct us Uh, but i understand that it's like a full service thing now i could i could be wrong like waiters and everything i I understand it could be that it could also be like kind of a fast casual concept i want like fine i want my crunchy taco on like china that's demolition man once again coming back to that Great movie. Actually, terrible movie. Great movie. Unwatchable second, at this point. Second Demolition Man reference in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and try to watch it. If you make it through more than 12 minutes, I mean, seriously. Uh, I love that movie. But anyway, um, 
It also is. Uh, it's also going to be serving alcohol, and I believe uh, you know one of those one of the one of the draws, especially in downtown Orlando, which is a massive debauch every night. It will be. Uh, it will be very popular. Um, and I think one of our plans was to probably do a live taping from the oh, yeah. Taco Bell Cantina when it opens. So we'll see. We've got to have better equipment at that point. That's right. Yeah. Which we'll we'll try to. We're we're working on a Patreon. We have to have head, headphones and mics, you know, a centimeter from our mouth, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's not of, too loud. The budget for Cantina and Taco Bell food, so you know, it's important work we're doing here. Yeah, it could be like fifteen or twenty bucks. It could be expensive <laughs> be. for the two of us to oh, eat yeah. there. And as I'm leaving Taco Bell, the lady tells me how much it is, and I'm like, seven bucks? I got so much food. And Matt's like, Yeah, if you got that from like Burger King or something, you'd be in for, you know, like a burger. So Taco yeah, Bell. anyways. All right. All right. That was nine minutes we'll never get back. Nope. Sorry, listeners. Or not. Nope. Nope. Sorry. I'm glad we talked about it. What are we doing today, Father Matt? We are going to be looking at Candlemas, uh, which is coming up on February 2nd. Yeah, just as Taco Bell is, was our feast last night, <laughs> today we are talking through a, a major feast, one of, our, one of our new kind of concepts for episodes, a major feast. Yeah, it's also known as the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple when he goes to the temple as uh, a young child. Uh, So we are going to be diving into that uh, today. So we will begin with uh, the collect for uh, Candlemas. So Father David, the Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, we humbly beseech thee that as thy only begotten Son was this day presented in the temple, So we may be presented unto thee with pure and clean hearts by the same thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, um, just kind of looking at the calendar, another kind of uh, quiet week in the... In the uh, the calendar of the church, of course, uh, if you're if you're ever wondering where we get this calendar, you know, there's a lot of different resources, and a lot of uh, actually probably even competing resources, and we just kind of go with our gut, usually from the 06, <laughs> uh, the 06 Lesser Feast and Fast. So, um, <laughs> like I said, a lot of options. Um, but to, uh, the fifth of February, uh, the church remembers the martyrs of Japan. Um, the church remembering. Them, uh, the, there's a, a, a great expanse of missionary activity uh, and the, really the kind of 15th century. But as um, the 15th century and the 16th century wore on uh, with some conflict between missionary groups and indeed the Japanese government at the time, uh, the church was suppressed in that country. Uh, and therefore, we remember the, the many martyrs of, of that period. Uh, the church, of course, has uh, come back as it does in many, many ways, but maybe not as strongly as it was present in that time. Uh, we, in fact, know somebody who does uh, who does a priest work over there. Yes, a priest from our diocese. That's right. Yeah. And he seems to be doing very well. And there seems to be a good amount of uh, Episcopal or Anglican churches over there. Yeah, that's right. It's very cool. Very, very cool. Would not have expected that. It's very, very cool to see him working <laughs> out there. Yeah, uh, Father Smith. Today, uh, like I said, we are talking about the major feast. We're talking about Candlemas, also called the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple. Um, 
I guess the first thing I would ask of you, Father Matt, why is it why is it called Candlemas? Well, it's really there's a connection to Christmas and then to Epiphany Tide mm-hmm. and this theme of light. Right. Which, when Jesus is brought to the temple, uh, which, as we get into the scripture readings and the sermon first pass, we'll see that this is in fulfillment and a requirement of. Uh, the Mosaic law that the firstborn is given to the Lord, presented to the Lord uh, in in the temple. And there is a man named Simeon who received a revelation that he would see the light of the world, that he would see the, the Messiah. And then when he sees Jesus, he realizes that God is uh, fulfilling his uh, promises, uh, not only to him, but to Israel and the whole world. And that's where we get the song, the Nuke Demitis. Right. You know, it wasn't written back in the 50s by Elvis. It comes from <laughs> uh, Luke chapter 2. And he says mm-hmm. of Jesus, you know, he's a light to lighten the Gentiles. And so you have all these themes coming together from these different uh, seasons and specifically from Luke chapter 2, uh, Jesus as the light of the world that then as the church, we take his light forward. We're little lights pointing to the great light. So that's at a etymological level yeah. that's what's going on yeah. with the, the candlemas yeah and liturgically um the the idea of, of of using lights it's pretty old i mean um just looking at one of the major resources that we have in front of us and that um you know especially in the west it's like the the uh, liturgical accessory if you will is to mm-hmm. is for there to be a, um, a candlelit procession um on this day um which you know it it begs the question I think is uh, where does this come from right mm-hmm. like where where is the liturgical observance come from on the calendar and and you know because we're always sort of trying to make sure that what we do at our worship is something that's pretty old you know this isn't a, an invention of, uh, of, of some really creative uh, priest or bishop or deacon like you know in the 20th century or something this is something that's actually been around for quite a long time um, I understand that it was described by Egeria, who was a, a pilgrim in the like fourth century to Jerusalem. So we know it was part of Jerusalem's observance well, well uh, way back, probably before her observance of it, of course. Um, and then uh, the Emperor Justinian uh, used it as a as a way to observe a Thanksgiving of a cessation of a plague in the city of Constantinople, uh, and therefore it was. Uh, promulgated in Constantinople in the year 542, um, which is old enough, I think. Sure. Yeah. And then, of course, being used all throughout uh, the, the Western churches, especially. Um. <clears throat> and it's significant that it's uh, February 2nd would be 40 days after uh, the Feast of the Nativity. Right. And so it, it's had this lapse of time. Uh, both for Our Lady, who would be fulfilling Jewish uh, purification rites right. after having given birth, right. but then also uh, the firstborn son being uh, presented unto the Lord according to the Mosaic law as right. well. Yeah, and as, as as Father Matt indicates, the the presentation of Christ in the temple also goes by another name, the purification of Saint Mary the Virgin. So it has an interesting place as being both a feast of Jesus Christ in the Western calendar, and is also known as a feast of Our Lady. Uh, in some parts of the calendar as well. So it's kind of a fun thing. It is. So if you can get a little blue in that white chasuble, you know, not maybe not a bad option. Not but a bad if, option. But okay. Right. Either way will work. Yeah. I like to think of it sometimes as the long end of Christmas. Um, 
you know, I, I toyed with the idea one year of having my, uh, my crash up all the way through February 2nd. It was not popular as an idea. And I'm not sure. I, I In the parish? In the parish. Hall, yeah. yeah, in the parish. Um, yeah, I keep my, my home crash up as, lo- as long as I want. I don't care. But uh, <laughs> no, but having the crash up this late, it seemed kind of like really stretching the bounds of, uh, of taste. But theologically, it makes a lot of sense. Sure. Right? And especially because in my parish, we have uh, an interesting lancet of, of stained glass windows. They're boyhood windows. So uh, it, it kind of made some, some liturgical sense there, even if it would be kind of like having your tree way up passed way way past its its uh its uh, expiration date so why don't you walk everyone through briefly just what you're doing on candlemas and the procession sure. and how you're going to go to the boyhood window because i think that's really neat yeah yeah uh well uh so priests uh, are aware of this uh, the book of occasional service actually gives us a nice little kind of rundown i think it uh, it's it's probably as many things are in the book of occasional service probably a mix of different Western ideas it mixed in with some Eastern ideas. I don't actually know the exact provenance, but somebody I'm sure will tell us. And, um, but what I'm actually doing is um, we'll begin at the West door of the church uh, with uh, a versicle and response. Excuse me. What I'll actually do is bless our candles, which we'll give to our, our kids. This, I think this is a really good way to involve children in the liturgy. Uh, so what we're going to do is we'll bless some candles out uh, on the front patio of the church, we'll hand out the candles to the children. We'll begin. Uh, we'll begin the door at the door um, with you know a salutation, uh, light and peace in Jesus Christ our Lord. And the people respond, "Thanks be to God." We'll begin this kind of versicle in response, um, and as when that when the hymn begins, after we say a prayer, um, the kids will be given uh, their candles, and we'll make a kind of like you know little march up the center aisle uh, wherein we'll make a, a little station at the boyhood windows um, during the hymn and then after we'll say a prayer I uh, really love this prayer um, it, it, it sounds like this oh God you have made this day holy by the presentation of your son in the temple and by the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary mercifully grant that we who delight in her humble readiness to be the birth giver of the only begotten I love that little line to be the birth giver of the only begotten. Oh, that's beautiful. That we may rejoice forever in our adoption as the sisters and brothers through Jesus Christ, O Lord. Amen. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of the major thrust of our liturgical observance here at Emmanuel. Um, you know, we'll do a couple of other things as well. Um, but uh, well, what, what did you have in mind for, for All Souls? Um, nothing as is, nothing is cool as that. <laughs> that's pretty basic, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Are the kids? Are the candles going to be uh, lit? Yeah, of course. And they're going to like votives. They're going to carry like votives. They're, they're like little ones that you might get at like Christmas Eve or oh, Easter. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, we're gonna. We definitely want to make a point of it. I'm gonna. We have. We're a church plant, so we have to be at the <laughs> annual meeting of the church that planted us. Right. Like <laughs> ten seconds after our service ends, so our service is going to be abbreviated. Sure. Just kind of out of necessity. Yeah. But it's exciting that we're in a place where it's not like we can cancel church. Like we really right. uh, got to have it. We can't go somewhere else and have church. Um. So so it's neat that we're already in that place in our church life. Um, with that sense of identity. Um, yeah. What he's saying there, and I just want to be clear because yeah. I'm really proud of him, is that. You know, there were people who I think, and not maliciously or ignorantly, but they said, oh, you're, 
you're planning on having mass that day. And Father Matt says, what did you say? Well, oh, oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, we're going to have it every Sunday till Jesus comes back. Yeah. And, and, and that's because the All Souls is in a, is, has become stable in a way that is like not miraculous and the kind of like we were really scared about it, but miraculous yeah. in the way that God is so faithful uh, to his to his community. And so that to miss church would already be like, yeah. wait, what? We're not having church. Why? Yeah. I think that's cr- I'm like, I think that's so great. I'm so encouraged yeah. by that. So to belabor the point. Yeah. So what I'm going to try to do in the brief time that we do have together is just as I'm still learning a lot of this stuff uh, myself is just talk about, you know, what is Candlemas and, and what's this this connection, this this thread and theme of light. And then uh, we'll have some candles. Uh, we might actually have something like put on the candles. So it's like commemorative in a way that as, yeah. we, as we give them out to people, we'll bless uh, the candles and distribute them yeah. uh, to the families there at church that's uh, cool. so they can take the light of Christ into their homes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, here's a here's a fun thing. Uh, you know, many many churches in the in the Roman uh, tradition, and also some in, I think in, in our own Anglican tradition, do a throat blessing, uh, which makes sense that it's kind of like cold, flu, and other kind of sickness and bug season. Um, and so I don't. Uh, listeners may want to look up uh, something called a Saint Blaise candle. Have you ever seen one of these, Father Matt? It sounds <laughs> it sounds illegal, frankly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what is that? Well, uh, because of the uh, blazing out here. <laughs> it's not a four twenty candle. Okay. Uh, but what it is is uh, so uh, there's a a, a tradition of uh, of of, of um, observance to Saint Blaise and uh, and who's kind of like you know known for being a, a, a healer, uh, especially of colds. And um, so part of the Candlemas tradition, um, as, we, as we've seen it in the West, there's this candle that is actually meant to go around your throat. And so if you can imagine a candle that kind of looks like a giant wishbone okay. with two wicks at the ends of it, it's really hard to describe. So, uh, and do people put this on? No, or is you, you, like the priest is actually meant to like you hold the candle, and it and it kind of like rings your neck. Okay, but you know, you know, like you don't actually touch the person with the candle. It'd be like really weird. It kind of looks like one of those grabber tools when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. So you put it around the person's neck and you say a prayer. Now I don't think I can get away with that, nor would I really want to, because it's it is a bit much for me personally. But and if you're doing that, awesome. I'm super glad for you. Um, but. Look up a St. Blaise candle. Check that thing out. It's pretty cool. It's cool um, if you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. The The risk versus reward yeah. <laughs> not working out for me. Yeah, me either. But <laughs> I think it is a good a good place for us to pray for for uh, for defense, for God's defense yeah. uh, against sickness and for those who are indeed sick right now. And I know that, you know, here in Florida, it's uh, cold and flu season. And apparently there's like this Chinese thing that's like in a yeah, it's like a real problem. What is it called? Coronavirus. So something like that. It's on people's mind. So it's not oh, a terrible yeah, thing to my, pray about. Yeah, my prayer is it's you know something that's overhyped, which does happen. That's <laughs> yeah, actually sure. it's not going to be some sort of epidemic or God forbid a pandemic. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm not doing the blaze candle. I'm, I'm just saying because we <laughs> yeah, we li- I'm not either. We, but. You know, Orlando. Uh, both men and women uh, tend to be manicured, and so I can see, like, 
some some dude with some uh, beard oil, and I, I like I light his face on fire if, or my own face on fire. If you see the way that this candle got some product in yeah, there, yeah. And, and then all of a sudden we're stopped dropping and rolling. I know. Hey uh, man, <laughs> <laughs> that's a deal. <laughs> Well, when you, see, when you look it up and see like how close you are to all sorts of hair and makeup and stuff, it's it's quite the risk. So I think that's probably a pretty wise call. But um, candles being a big part of that um, of this, and uh, it's it's a great it's a great day. Um, and I'm actually really blessed to know that a lot of parishes are kind of bringing back candlemas as part of their own observance. Uh, many many of them are wouldn't necessarily call themselves uh, Anglican or Ca- Anglican Catholic, but uh, you know, other churches really seeing the, 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 the beauty of this observance uh, and especially a chance to, to talk about um, about Christ in, in the way um, that connects him more fully into his own righteousness as regards the law. So, of Moses. All right. Sermon First Pass, the lections for the presentation of our Lord are Malachi chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 4, which the first verse or so of that says, Thus says the Lord, See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. So that's a direct connection with what's happening in the gospel. Uh, the psalm, you've got options. You know how much I love options in the lectionary, <laughs> but here they are. Uh, psalm 84, and then Psalm or Psalm 24, verses 7 through 10. The epistle is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And then, of course, the gospel is Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40, which is the account of Jesus being presented mm-hmm. uh, at the temple and the prophecies and exaltations of both Simeon and the prophetess Anna. Yeah. Not to be confused with Anna from Frozen. No it's one was so- <laughs> going to do that. Wow. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> what? I live, I'm, I live in a, an estrogen uh, dominated house. So Frozen's just always, it's always at the four, huh? Yeah. yeah anyways, makes sense. no one was going to do that. No but one. There we go. No one. Here we are. <laughs> So what are you doing for your sermon? Well, you seem like all, you had it locked down already. Well, I kind of have it locked down. You know, um, a feast like this is one of the nice things about um, a, a, an observance like this is because it's not that they preach themselves, but they you you're able to really lock down on on specific themes in ways that can be more more or less difficult, say in the green season of ordinary time, where the lessons are just kind of all over the place. Um, for me, I will be preaching a shorter homily this week because I as well have an annual meeting. Uh, and for those of you who aren't Episcopal, Episcopalians, that's um, you know a time for the for the entire parish to gather to to do some governance, to to elect vestry, to pass budgets, and all of those things. So priests and other folks in our in our service have to uh, be mindful of timing. So I'm not going to preach a super long one, but I think what I will be um, dialing in on are um, the theme of light, um, which the lessons this this year as we've gone through year A have been really helping us to kind of be be really focusing in on that light. 
Um, I'm always amazed by the story of Simeon um, and Anna. Um, just be their faithfulness. They're awaiting the coming Messiah, uh, God working in them. Uh, you kind of mentioned it already, uh, the idea that, that they received the revelation, that they would be the ones, especially Simeon would be the one to, to see with his own eyes um, the Messiah. And just thinking about how Luke is always drawing the story of Jesus, his nativity, his, his origins, his, uh, all of the things in his boyhood that, that really connect him to the greater life of God and, and his people Israel in a way that's, um, you know, I love Matthew and it is certainly the more Jewish gospel, I suppose. But Luke, Luke's storytelling, I think, is just, uh, in my opinion, more artful. Um, and, and I just love that, that, that theological and narratological method of weaving all of these themes in to show that God is really is at work in the life of Christ. So that's kind of where I'm headed. Mm. Um, what about you, Father? Again, I'm really just going to give a, a brief overview of, you know, just what's going on liturgically and theologically this week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, this, this theme of light and bringing that together. But I think there's a lot you can do with Simeon as like the, like the sort of type or archetype of what it, what it looks like to, to pray and to seek the Lord. Yeah. And it's this thing of, I can die now because I've, yeah. I've seen, yeah. I've seen the light of the world. And, you know, those of you who have prayed uh, the evening or night offices know that you always pray the Nunc Dimittis. And, um, you know, when we end our day, we, if we've experienced the Lord in his goodness, which if we reflect at all we have, then having experienced him throughout the day, we can rest peacefully. But then also uh, in our lives that we would want to see God and experience him mm-hmm. above all else. I mean, just, just autobiographically, there's so much I still like love about this world. Right. And Simeon's like, I've seen the Lord. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And it's to have that, that sense of like, this is really why we exist, right. right. To, to know God, to see him, to be yeah, united with right. him. And there's a lot about, um, there's a lot in there where you can be like, let's be a new Demetis church. Sure. <laughs> where, where that's that's our goal and that's our our tenor and perspective and orientation is is seeking the Lord and uh, seeing him as the light and then pointing others to that light. Right. Yeah. Uh, really peddling into um you know, what what is the promise of the Nuke Demetis, you know? Um mm-hmm. that now that we have seen salvation of the which has been prepared in front of all peoples. Mm-hmm. Um, the salvation, which is indeed a light, as the NRSV translate, a light for a revelation to the Gentiles, you know, to reveal this light to all peoples, to all nations. And to do and to show uh, forth the vocation of the reconstituted Israel, as we're often fond of saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I probably will make mention of that. My sermon this past Sunday was very much... Uh, focused on, you know, Jesus's calling of the disciples is the renewal of the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, calling and creation of the, the church, really the renewal of the church and emphasizing that continuity. And I guess Allah and T. Wright uh, making a mm-hmm. point that 
the gospels don't occur in a vacuum. Like this is the climax of the Israel story, if you will. And uh, giving people some context and how important like the so-called old Testament is. And this is fulfilling Malachi three. You know, this is one of the latest prophets and Israel, uh, you know, even though, you know, in the, in the first century, the geographical exile had ended, there was very much like a theological exile. You know, they were ruled by the Romans. Spiritual exile. There was no sense that uh, God was inhabiting Herod's temple with his yeah. Shekinah glory. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Well, that's fulfilled when Jesus enters it. Right. And so this is Yahweh's return to Zion. This is what they had been looking for and what Malachi um, w- was talking about. Yeah. And so tr- trying to at least pull that in maybe with 50 or hundred words, but just to help right. make that connection do, you yeah, know, that's cool. Some hermeneutical training, even as right. Even as I'm preaching. Yeah. And, and I'm, and as, as you say that, I'm not sure why this kind of pinged in my head, but like, what does this mean for our own holiness as Christians? Right. And just kind of coming back to the, the collect. Right. So we may be presented to, to you, to God, with pure and clean hearts by Christ our Lord. So there's that sense of our own participation, even as um, Our Lady brings the pure and spotless Lamb, Jesus, to be presented. Um, so Jesus will be presenting us years ago, but also the life that we have now, the life of Christian service, obedience, and holiness. And even indeed, in some ways, uh, the eschatological hope, uh, which is not as easy to preach sometimes, but I think is very helpful for people to remember mm. that um, the life of the world to come is a life of true holiness in is standing at it basically in the temple, um, you know, worshiping world without end. Mm. I don't know if I'll go that way, but it's per- it's definitely possible. <laughs> I I think it's a good thing to try to. Of course, in the power of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the scriptures, try to arouse in people like a desire. And and of course, whenever we're preaching, we're preaching to ourselves. So we're trying to, you know, raise up the zeal in in our own hearts as well. Yeah, true. That we actually like desire the beatific vision. Yeah. Instead of like we ah things are pretty good now. We we got our we got our Taco Bell and Netflix and these sorts of things and. We, we really can um, become so this worldly instead of when we encounter Christ and his word and sacraments and the life of the church. It's like, okay, we, we start to long for something deeper. It creates this holy discontent. Um, so I, I think making, trying to, trying to uh, have people maybe look towards the life of the world to come is, is a good, uh, homiletical aim i mean of course you have to do it with wisdom and right not say words like homiletical (laughs) eschatological without explaining them Uh, um what one more thing before we before we close out you know um this is past uh the pericope in the gospel of luke but uh you any uh reading can be lengthened at the discretion of the celebrant that's why uh what i <laughs> yeah, do on sunday mornings there, is we just read the bible three times so i, <laughs> I lengthen the old testament reading we just read the, the entire scripture <laughs> the entire canon now um 
is, you know, I just thought of, you know, like your inclusion of like the children and the liturgy and this, this theme uh, with, you know, the Christ child being presented mm-hmm. at the temple. And I'm thinking of a sermon. I am 99.9% sure it's by Irenaeus where it's, it talks about the incarnation and that uh, Christ was every age to redeem every age. Mm-hmm. And uh, Irenaeus actually said, which is crazy because he was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of the Apostle John. Right. He says that Jesus was about 50 when he was crucified. Irenaeus says Oh, this. that's interesting. It is really interesting, like, because he's so early, it's like, well, we should probably pay attention to that a little bit. But he's saying, you know, Jesus was an infant to redeem infants, a child to redeem children, yeah. and old man to redeem old men. You oh, know, sure. he goes through yeah, every yeah, age. Yeah. And... um. In Luke two fifty two, it says of the it says of the young Jesus that he uh, grew in wisdom and in stature, right. in favor with God and with man. And that's one thing as the um, and maybe this is Baptist of me to go extemporaneous. That's part of the blessing that I pray over the children when they come to the altar rail is uh, may you grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that two Baptists stop that, doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just so, kidding. so connecting it to like yeah, um, because they're they're they are united in a unique way with with this Jesus that we read about in Luke two, and that yeah. through their union with him, that they would be the sort of children that would resemble well read, Jesus and his well, childhood. Yeah, read the beginning. Yeah. Read the first verse of our lesson from Hebrews. Since God's children share flesh and blood, Jesus Himself likewise shared the same things. That's um, where Irenaeus got it. <laughs> Probably, actually. Well, I mean, think about it, right? I mean, uh, just pastorally speaking, like sometimes Jesus, uh, sometimes Jesus can seem uh, seem kind of distant, right? He's the guy who, um, he's the guy at the right hand of God. He's the the fella on the cross. He's the one who, um, in iconography, so many is resplendent and glory, like, and that's awesome. I love that. That's kind of how I do connect to Jesus, personally speaking. I like to look at my dude wearing the best clothes. That's awesome. Um, but it's also a great way for us to remember and help children really see themselves in our Lord because he, he was one, you know, it's why Christmas is so fun for little kids because I mean, when you're really dialing down deep with them, like, Hey, you don't remember when you were a baby, but you know what you're like now when you're a little kid. And Jesus was like that. And so helping kids to kind of, in the, even the small ways, you know, not, not all of them are going to dial in in the same way and even at the same intensity, but just getting that glimmer of like, oh, wait, no, Jesus was, was like me, you know, Jesus was like me. And therefore, uh, because of the, because he is like me, he understands me. Uh, and because he understands me, uh, he can save me. Uh, and, you know, I think being careful with, that sense of of uh, participation in the incarnation because he is like us, Jesus was like us, is I think tremendously helpful. Never to the detriment of, of that we we want to think of him as so like us to to um, lose that sense of awe glory in his glory and divinity, but um, just re- um, being mindful of um, how good he is in his humanity and that it's possible for us to seek true brotherhood with him. Mm. Um, so that, I think that's one of the things that, that makes me really want to involve children. Uh, I, I love, I love, so uh, listeners who 
can't aren't able to enjoy um you know being being in a manual and seeing our wonderful windows maybe i'll put up a picture up when we um when we um put up our instagram post but um the boyhood windows um one of the things that i love when our kids go up to see them is they oh they see jesus as like a 12 year old youth and our boyhood window has him teaching in the in the in the temple and like learning from his dad and learning from his mom they're really interesting windows but they see like oh he didn't like plop out of heaven as like a dude that looks like father david or father matt with a sweet beard and you know like long legs and like being just a straight up adult like he had to grow up and i think that's awesome like because we will grow up we all of us are growing uh in stature literally in size but also in favor with god and with men so anyway yeah. that's just kind of what's on my mind when i do it yeah and children can and you do this really well like children can and should engage in the life of the church and the spiritual life yeah and they get more out of it than i think we give them credit absolutely and um jesus wanted the little children to come unto him i mean John the Baptist is worshiping Christ in utero. Yeah, right. So, um, well, here's a story. Sorry, here's a story like about how like this happened just this past Sunday about like how much credit we need to give our children in the context of our liturgies. One of our youth, um, he's awesome. He's been at our parish for a while since I've gotten here. Um, just love this kid. He's awesome. He's super bright. He's really funny. He's very weird. Um, and, uh, but he was an acolyte on Sunday and he made like a little tiny mistake. I didn't notice, you know, I'm too busy at the other stuff going on. And he comes back and he apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry I made this mistake. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's okay. Like, you know what you're doing. You, you know, the rest of it, it's fine. You know, you can grow from that. And then he kind of starts talking about like how important, how important precision is in the liturgy and it's sort of, you know, 16, 15, 16 year old way, but like talking about what it means to him to have some precision uh, in how the liturgy is executed. And I'm just like, whoa, dude, like what? <laughs> like, this is awesome. And then like, I t- kind of like, as an aside told him like, yeah, man, like some people make some stuff up in liturgy. And he was like, I can't even believe that somebody would do that. I'm like, yeah, it's the sort of reality of the church. And so his, both his desire to be, to be precise in the enactment of the liturgy and his desire to see the liturgy done well in accordance with the faith delivered once for all the saints. I was like, dude, this kid's like, you know, 15. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. And he's he's not super weird. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know? that's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, that's really good. So. All right. Well, we're going to close out with the Our Father, and then we're going to pray together uh, the prayer of Simeon, the Nuke Dimittis. As always, we hope that our time together has been edifying to you. Uh, We want to thank you for listening. We've had um, a lot of listeners from uh, new and different places. I feel like every time we put out a new piece of content, we've got somebody from uh, another new locale that just blows our mind. So uh, greetings to you, whoever is in Northern California. Hey. (laughs) Uh, And today we saw somebody uh, check us out from Ireland. Oh, Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So thank you to all our listeners and thank you for uh, your continued prayers. Again, we pray that this is edifying to you and encouraging. Father Matt? Let us pray in the words our Savior Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Thanks, Father Matt. Thank you, Father David. <laughs> I hope to run with you some more. Anytime, man. Just let me know. Let me know. I'm not going to drink Red Bull, though. No, don't do that. I've had 32 ounces today, so I got Your heart's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great week. See ya. And we'll see you soon. Blessings. We won't see you, but you'll Whatever, hear us. Yeah. All right, bye. Church in the Audubon Park neighborhood of Orlando, Florida.